What up, everybody? This is Tommy Runs, and this is the Run, Eat, Sleep Show, episode number 69. Uh, today's guest, absolute legend. It's I, I mean, I had this whole thing wrote out, but I was super duper crazy excited to be able to sit down and talk with her. I met her in person a couple times, or I think actually once I just made that up. Once in uh, Austin, Texas at TRE, which is the running event. Um, everyone talked about how nice this person was. Everyone said that she's amazing. Everyone said that she, you'll like walk away from her feeling like better about yourself just somehow. Uh, um, and I thought like, okay, yeah, people probably say that about everybody, but it is absolutely true. This woman is absolutely contagious. Um, and her drive and determination has inspired the country, the world, and from a person-to-person interaction as well, it's even better than that. Uh, today, I have Dina Castor on the show. Dina is a strong, strong believer, especially over time and working at it. It didn't just come over overnight, but strong believer in positive thinking and uh, reshaping your experiences to make sure that you're able to learn and get better from everything. And then even in those tough, tough moments when you're just like beating up on yourself, life can't get any better or... Um, you know, you just on a tough workout, a terrible run, or just all these different situations. Um, she's trained her mind over the years to be able to look and find things within those moments that will allow her to keep going, keep pushing, and then find some gratitude and gratefulness for that moment and find purpose and reason in the moment instead of like having to look backwards all the time and say, oh, well, you know, that thing you know sometimes it's easier for us to look back at things and then say oh that was actually pretty okay and pretty cool and a good experience but she's able to tap in in the moment and make the best of it at the time which is really great for performance which is really great for life uh it kind of cuts all the waste time wasted time to say find it out now find out what's going on now in your life in in this run that you can use to propel yourself for the rest of today not like Next week, look back on today and figure out how you can make it better. Find out now what you can grab onto and be grateful for to continue pushing and make today the best day possible. Um, I don't even know if I said her name. Dina Castor. Did I say her name? Yeah, Dina Castor's on the show. I said it before. Anyway, Dina Castor's on the show. We talked about her life. We talked about sports or running. We talked about positive thinking. We talked about ASICs. We talked about her book. Let Your Mind Run. Definitely check that out. It's on audiobook or uh, hard cover so check that out check out the episode hopefully you enjoy it dina is absolutely amazing uh make sure you follow her on instagram make sure you follow the run eat sleep show on instagram and then also subscribe to this podcast right now so enough of uh hearing me talk i will let you guys to it hopefully enjoy this episode Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Technology could really drive you crazy sometimes. No, I so I have a call, uh, a text and a call out to um out to Mark Zuckerberg. He hasn't like answered the, the text or the call yet. I'm not really sure why he wouldn't, but you know, we we've, we've gotta figure out this live thing because this happened before. So yeah. I, I'm uh very glad that you were able to to join me. And I was um kind of referring to it before, but it was such an honor and privilege to meet you in person. Uh, at TRE that was really awesome and cool and everyone said that you're super nice and all that stuff and I kind of believed it but you know people say things but then when I finally got to meet you it's absolutely true so uh, hopefully we get to tackle that and figure out how you are so darn nice. (laughs) 
Thank you, Tommy. It's such a pleasure to finally be on your show. What an honor. I was um, ecstatic when you asked me at TRE if I could come join you one day, and I'm glad we found a, a date and time that could work. I mean, this might arguably be the best show that you've ever done. I'm just saying. You never yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> I, agree, I agree with you. I definitely agree, especially yes. when technology can work. Yeah, yes, exactly. It gives you a little heart attack at, at the beginning. And listen, I'm nice until I put my running shoes on, then I'm not very nice. That's what, And that's what, <laughs> that's what we have to get to because it's, it seems like these, there's two people involved here. There's like, is there a name? Okay, well, let's just let's start over. I'll, I'll ask you about is there a name for this other person later. But so if you could just kind of, most people know the story in your story because they've been following you for years. Um, but for, the, for those of us that don't know, um, can you talk a little bit about like your running origin? Like when did running become a thing? When did you, yeah, let's just start with there. When did you start running? Yeah, I mean, I started running after miserably failing at so many other sports. My parents, um, I was raised in Southern California. My parents were really into sports and wanting good mentors for my sister and I. She, my sister is uh, four and a half years younger than I am. And they just got us into everything. Soccer was big in Southern California. I scored one goal in the first season of soccer. My poor dad was the assistant coach or the coach of all of my my teams when I was growing up. And I scored one goal the entire season. It happened to be in the first game, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize you switched directions at Uh. halftime. So I actually scored a goal for the other team. So like, I was such a loser (laughs) in soccer. And then I was just clumsy and everything else I was just awkward Mm -hmm. Um, and I think as children we all go through awkward phases but it wasn't until I went to track practice that very first day that we went on this little trail right outside of the the, my future high school won this little trail in the Santa Monica Mountains and I just fell in love immediately knew that I was in a place that I belonged but also just the friendships so quickly mm-hmm. like on the trail having these conversations that got deep so quickly um, it was just a pure love affair from the very beginning so I never looked back I knew that running was going to be similar to like meeting your significant other your soulmate you know yeah. you're just going to be with them you're not sure when and if you're going to get married but you know that person's going going to be in your life forever. Um, I feel fortunate that I met that man, but I felt that way about running too. Like, this is it. This is where I belong. I wasn't sure it was going to get me a scholarship or state championships in high school or even land me on Olympic teams and have world and American record records in my future. I just knew that that was a space that I could grow and be myself. And did, so did you, and that was like right in middle school. What grade was that? Was that seventh or eighth grade? Yeah, it was uh, I was 11, so I think I was in sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, my son's 11, so six, yeah, sixth grade or so. Oh. So, so did so was there a lot like around um, in, in in your area? Was there a lot to do in the way of like cross country and track and field, like you know, at that age? Yeah, I mean, luckily we had a great track program, a youth running program, and hundreds of kids were at the track every day after school. Oh, wow. I think I met twice a week. I didn't even do the everyday thing, um, but it was. Um, it was a great community to be a part of. My parents found their community mm-hmm. as well, um, sitting in the stands with the other with the other parents, and those long Saturdays at track meets. Yeah. But it was just a joy from the very beginning. And I think because running was very social in the beginning for yeah. me, it's continued to be social. I woke up 
early before the sun was even high in the sky woke up and ran with my teammate yeah. uh, grace barnett she was second at the 5k national championships mm-hmm. um on the roads in new york city in the fall um she's also a stem teacher here at the <laughs> elementary school one of my daughter's teachers nice. so um so i got up early with her to get a, just an easy run in but um but it's always been social to me it's kind of a you know i procrastinate a lot if it's just me getting out the door to get in a run but when i know i've got teammates waiting for me um, at the track or at a trailhead, I bolt out the door with such enthusiasm. And, and so when you, uh, but I mean, like in the beginning of this, like you know, you fell in love with the with the with the sport and just the act of running and the community around it. But I mean, there's something that you you were you were really good though, like early. Yeah. You know? So like, can you talk to me about like that, like how, what that was like, kind of uh, going from the middle school, you know, after school meets and doing really well with that, and then going into high school. Yeah, you know, I think that um, that it, it's hard to know if I fell in love with it because it mm-hmm, came yeah. easily to me, the, just the movement of running. Um, I think we're all actually meant to do it. We're yeah. meant to, to move forward, born to run. Um, so I'm not sure if I fell in love with it because I was good at it or I became good at it because I really felt a lot of joy. I mm-hmm. think just seeing my American record go um, by Kira D'Amato, mm-hmm. Um, to, now it's two weekends ago. It seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah. But seeing that, the the joy with which she runs from, I really think we get the best out of ourselves when we come from a, a sense of innate joy, right, of, right. of privilege of getting out there and putting one foot in front of the other and yeah. the freedom of exploring trails or neighborhoods. And to me, that's the way that I like to, to see the world, just land in some city and put on my running shoes and get my bearings by going out for a run. It just feels so... Um, it feels so almost, almost, um, almost more of a primitive way to mm-hmm. to see the world instead of just grabbing your map and your yeah, yeah. and your camera to to get out the door. It's just it's just you and creating these little images in your mind of the places that you're visiting. So for me, it just seems so authentic to to um, to experience the world that way. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. And running can be very a very primitive thing, especially when you get lost. And you're just like, in, and you, you end up you're supposed to run a 10 mile, you run a 13 or something like that. Um, but I, uh, so I got the book. And so everybody sh- should go get this. this is a, it's a very good book. Um, and I'm not done with it yet, but I feel like the a lot of the vibe is, is kind of what I'm feeling now is a lot of positivity and a lot of, um, you know, just kind of gratitude for everything. Uh, and that's played a big role into into like the the person that you've become the runner that you are but when you were going and i like how the book kind of started because you i won't try to give a give away too much but you know you started you know very early in in doing well for quite some time and like that area of light you know that side of life is called winning you know i was when i was reading i was thinking about like um uh, the Pursuit of Happiness by uh, Will Smith, and he was like, "This this side of my life is called running, you know." And but that part of your life was was called winning. And as you went through, you eventually, you know, kind of raised. You you got older, and you know, running against people that are a little bit little faster and all that stuff. And then losing came, you know, for the around the first like almost like the first time. How did you, as a as a young person, deal with um, like such heights, and then? You never really came down, but the feeling was there that you lost and you were just, you know, how did you deal with that transition from going from winning everything to maybe having some a bad time? 
Yeah, you know, I think I was more gracious as a youth runner than I was in college. Um, so I lost that. I lost that somewhere along the line and found it again. But I think when I surpassed the expectations of so many, so many people around me in my circle, my parents, my coach, my teammates, they thought I would lose much sooner because I was on this two-year winning streak mm -hmm. that I would lose much sooner. And to me to continue winning until I eventually lost was like, well, I surpassed everybody's expectations. So I kind of took the high road there as far as my ego is concerned, protecting my ego maybe. Um, then losing started to become a drag, right? It was yeah, like, God, right. is, this, is, this, is this as good as I am? Like, this isn't good enough for me, but maybe this is as good as I am. And that was a really hard pill to swallow. And so it wasn't until I became a professional athlete that I ended up taking loss and defeat and even days where I might have won a race, but I really fell low of my expectations mm -hmm. performance wise is just having everything be an experience, not considering anything winning and losing, but considering everything an experience. So if I ran really well, take, what were those takeaways? Why did I run really well? And if I fell short of that, why did I fall short and how can I, how can I grow in this moment? So trying to use everything, I was on this Coach Vigil calls it the pursuit of excellence, mm -hmm. uh, my first professional coach. So that pursuit of excellence was everything to me. How can I get the very best out of myself every hour of every day so that um, all those moments, all those good moments mm -hmm. add up to who I am um, on performance day? And to do that in a way that wasn't intense and burdensome, but really in a way that was just me pursuing that joyfully, like, gosh, let's see what I can get out of myself. This yeah. is really awesome. It's what gave me the perspective that we don't make, if we're, if we're doing what we love, we don't make sacrifices. We really make choices to continue pursuing what we really enjoy doing. Right. So I never felt that burden of sacrifice and didn't feel um, resentful of those choices because yeah. to me it was like, wow, I get the privilege of choosing to go to bed early so I'm rested for for this uh, yeah. for this workout in the morning and I have a race coming up that's really important and I and I want to be that invested in it and so I send a gift to the party instead of showing up and that was my way of being in both places being in bed but also at the party because I just sent a platter of cookies or something yeah, right. over there and um, and so it's making those choices so that you're still nurturing those relationships that are important in your life but really pursuing what you what your you know what makes you buzz and tick all day long. Yes, I think that that's that's awesome. I like how you kind of reframe that too, because I think that, you know, whether it's uh, us as runners, because I mean, running does take quite a bit of time, especially if you want to, like, you got a race coming up or you want to PR or you want to just have fun and be better at it, you know? Um, but then other things in life too that just, that our, some of our interests just take up so much time and we have, like, that guilt, that guilty feeling um, that can, be really heavy, you know. Like, I mean, it's it's almost like it'll it's almost like it'll make you make a decision that you really don't and maybe shouldn't even have to make. So I love that you kind of reframe that, and um, and I think communication too to talk to the people that are in your life and, and you know that that matter to you and let them know what your goals are and you know get sign off and you know not approval but sign off from them as well. Like, hey, this is what I want to do. So I'm just saying so that like true. for the people people watching, it's like. It, the runner runner's life there's not really much balance like in a in a runner's life when you're going after something like that because it's just it takes up so much time and you got to recover after the run so um, 
But I like how you, uh, you know, in the right when you mentioned that you maybe weren't so great, graceful or grateful in the college time. But I, you, you found another thing that you really liked during that time. So like maybe not go. You don't have to go through that whole process. But what's your like advice for people that maybe love running but they just kind of lost the love for it maybe and need to balance it with something else? Because you were you found your way through that with with baking. Yeah, and um, and I luckily I still get the joy of baking today. It's just not on a mass scale as it once was. But I always return when I start to get stale or um, or feeling like a little monotonous in the in the activity of, of tying up my shoes. I actually don't even tie my shoes. I slip into them. I never untie them. So it drives my husband crazy. Oh my but I just slip into my shoes and go out the door. And sometimes it's like, gosh, doing this again. Like how many days do I mm. just like slide into these shoes and head left out the door? And when it starts to become uh, monotonous like that, I know I need to connect with my joy again. And luckily I was able to reflect on this years ago of like what really like fuels my running soul. And that's just exploring a new place to just like not even really be burdened by my, what my watch says pace wise or distance wise, but just get on this trailhead that I've never been on before. I've lived here for 21 years and there's still so many places I have left to explore. And that's really what makes me thrive. It yeah. like just really gets me so jazzed that our two legs can just take us up and over that crest and yeah. onto the John Muir Pacific Crest Trail. And you could choose which direction you want to go. Do you want to go up river or down river? Do you want to find a new peak to 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 be in awe of? And to me, that is like, oh my God, my heart just pounds in my chest thinking about it. It's like what really fills my cup. And better yet, last year when I was kind of in that in that lull because of the pandemic I grabbed my teammate Grace and we ended up doing this backcountry run that was like 16 miles which was her longest run to date but we were passing lakes and we stopped at the edge of this one lake and ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and our um our fruit punch little um little chomps that we had with us we decided that was our favorite flavor of the day but just like continued on to the next lake and just like checking all these lakes off of our list of places to see and it was like i mean it's amazing to experience it but to experience it with somebody else is is extra special so um so that really like I mean, I love clipping off mile repeats and tempo runs and seeing how fast I can accomplish a 20-mile run in practice if it could be faster than last year. But nothing gets me more excited than exploring a trail. So I would just recommend that somebody like reconnect with that joy. Is that yeah. joy more social? Is that joy being in their own head and being in a park surrounded by nature? Like finding what that, what that joy, where that joy comes from and, and making sure you reconnect with that time and time again. Well, I mean, I have a I have a workout today, um, and either you could just run it for me, or uh, I, I, no, but I I really do like I appreciate the way that you that you go about saying the things that you get to do instead of like have to do um, or even want to do. Sometimes want can be a little weird too. I mean, because you you attach it to this greater goal, um, but the fact of like get to do is much more present, and I think that that's a really great way to look at it because I've never just been running like oh i get to go up this hill and crest it you know like it's always like okay there's a hill there and at one point you know you had a hill in your life that or in your running career that was just kicking your butt it seemed like so can you just talk to me about like that process of switching something from like how do we go from 
you know, wanting to do something, but it's kind of dreadful and whatever. How do you get from there to changing that to like I get to and like in, in defeating something in a positive you know way? Yeah, I think I think first it just comes with paying attention um, when you want to try to conquer all those demons in front of you or within you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just paying attention, and I always come back to like, well, how's that thought really serving me right now? Like, is yeah. this is this helping me? And and uh, and really, if it if it ends up um, deterring from what I actually want to accomplish, I'm like, well, that was like, why is that the default in my head? Like, yeah. why is the the dread or the oh no? Yeah. Um, going to be the first thing that pops in even after so many years of of doing this of twisting my thoughts but really thinking like okay if that's not going to serve me well what what right now how could i how could i change this tune in my head and really be uh, um, self-advocating in this moment or a cheerleader for myself in this moment and when you can start pausing and and catching yourself the more you can do that throughout the day that like just imagine like um, you're just, you just keep climbing, right? You just keep making um, better better choices in your head, which which translate to better choices in action. And um, and to me, it was ju- it just was a game. It wasn't like this intense like I must I must have every every right. powerful thought in my head, and I'm gonna I'm I'm only gonna fill my brain with with right, positivity right, right. or optimism because I think we can sometimes um, be dismissive of how we're feeling, like. If I'm if I'm really feeling dreadful of getting out the door, when I think about it, it's like, oh, I'm actually really tired. And if I'm this tired, let's make sure I get into bed an hour early tonight. You know, it's yeah. like really thinking it through so like, that you get to the root of that dread. Am I am I dreading this because it's mundane and I need a spirit boost here, right, or right. am I dreading it because I'm tired and I need to sleep more? So just staying on top of it, and really, it's just having fun, paying attention to to who you are in a moment, so yeah. that you can so that you can build yourself a little better. And to me, it's it's just fun. Yeah, I think that's cool because, like, you know, it's yeah. It sounds like it all boils down to like mindfulness and just, you know, being uh, being aware of. Because uh, like, it's like, why do you, you know, why do you feel this way for about something that you that you're choosing to do? Like, so why do you feel this way about it? And um, I think that that's really cool because that's like I'm, I've always been like really big on like you know training and you know like that's what really matters. But then. You know, there. I mean, there's obviously a big role of like what you know, how you know, mentality and belief system switches things, and and I like the way that you that you went about it, and it's not necessarily like I always imagine that moment when you're saying, "Hey, um, you gotta fill your your mind with positive things," and it's almost like a negative way of like put trying to push out negative thoughts, you know, and it just doesn't seem um, it's hard. It makes it harder, more of a task. So I just like, yeah, where did you, where did that come from? <laughs> I feel like, well, I think it was trying hard in the beginning. And then I'm like, well, this actually isn't working because I'm being really self-critical right yeah, now. Yeah, like, this yeah. isn't filling my cup at all. And so getting the right tone, because I think similar to, like, listening to our mothers nag at us and, and now being a mom nagging myself, it's like the tone really matters, right? Mm-hmm. And so looking at the, the tone inside my head and, and just... Um, and just, I guess it all comes down to having it be playful, right? Like we have pretty, we have like benchmark workouts throughout the year that are, they come at important times where our ego might be fragile. There's this important race coming up and I better nail this workout because if I don't, it means I'm going to fail in this race coming up. And so, you know, we could be towing that line or doing strides ahead of that tempo run and and there's like an intensity in the air and just trying to get all of my teammates to realize like this is 
this is this is such a privilege to yeah, be out yeah. on this road right now and so making it playful and not forcing it but it was something um, I did with Mev when we trained together mm-hmm. um, for so many years we'd be right before a tempo run and our coaches um, even now Andrew my husband like staggers everybody out so the slowest people are going first and they're trying not to be caught by yeah. the six mile mark and um, and the people that start last and at that time it was Mev um, trying to, to hunt down everybody in front of him and it was such a fun game that it also made racing fun in that way like getting out in front and then trying not to be caught it was very similar to to training but I swear it was every single tempo run so every Saturday morning that I would turn around to Meb and say catch me if you can and then just take off and I would hear him laugh as I was getting off the line and that filled me with joy and so it was just it's just creating that environment of, of fun and music can do that. I feel like music does that so easily. Um, Andrew brings a really large portable speaker down to the track anytime we're doing track work and it's just filling that, filling the air with like a fun beat. So yeah. you're like tapping, tapping your foot as you're, as you're sitting there in conversation. And um, I think there's so many different strategies you can do, can use, but to me, it's something in the book I call strategic joy. It's just mm-hmm. adding joy to your day and making sure this process is fun because it is uncomfortable right when we're trying to get the best out of ourselves in a workout we get to a very uncomfortable yeah. place yeah. but that's really your greatest um the greatest time to to be able to um to twist those thoughts in your head to get a uh, to get a hold of them and shape them in a way that's gonna that's gonna make you the best you can be in that moment Man, yeah, I I need like I need to talk to you like at least once a day because this this is great. I mean, because I think that like st- strategic joy is it's because t- when you started we started this the show when you said that you know when you when you lace up your shoes it's different, right? But normally when you think of like someone that's had the success that you've had uh, and Meb and all these other people, we don't think of like you know turn around laughing and saying like catch me if you can in all these other things you think of like this stoic like i'm a hard worker i'm gonna go run the american record and all this other stuff you think about just like that one side of you but in between it just seems like that's what's made you you know grateful and happy and and why people say like that you're the nicest person ever you know because it's i i just you just don't think of you i guess a you on paper as being like you know, as joyful and as strategic with joy as you are. So I think that that's Yeah, important. and I mean, I, 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 I also attribute that to being in the sport for so long. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely don't feel like I'm the fastest version of myself right now, but mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I'm the best version of myself right now. And I think mm-hmm. that the joy that the sport has given me and that I've made sure was at the core of it, I think that's the reason why I'm still here busting out mile repeats at the track. It's not because I, I want to run a record next week anywhere in the world. It's mm-hmm. because it really it really is fun to me. And at this point, it's fun to, to be there and uh, be supportive of my teammates, uh, my Mammoth Track Club teammates. But it's also where I can just stay on top of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could, we could atrophy in a lot of ways. Like I don't think my legs look as good as they did 20 years ago. And I might be getting a little flabby under here, but I don't want... 
I don't want that optimism to ever atrophy. And so I running is where I make sure it's just on demand every day. And so if I can stay on top of this and running, then I can also show up in a positive way to, to talk to you um, on a 10, 10 a.m. On, um, on a weekday morning, on a Wednesday morning. I know that's Wednesday because it's trash day. The trash can is outside. Uh. But also that I could, that I could, you know, when my daughter comes home from school and she's having a crisis because someone took her hat off and she was having a bad hair day, I could just be like, oh, okay, well, that was meant to be funny. It was meant to make people laugh. I can, I can be there and share some tactics with her as well. If I haven't been running in the past 10 years, if I had retired, I fear that that might be gone as well because running is where I can exercise my mind just as easily as my body. So, so parent, side note, parent to parent. So how old is your daughter? She's 10. She's 10. just oh, 10. a year, like yeah. almost, well, she's going to be 11 in February. So when's your son's birthday? Uh, he's, uh, I, I'm like, uh, I don't know when my son's birthday is. Uh, August 2nd. So he's 11. He's turning, <laughs> he's turning, okay. he's turning so, 12. And he'll be 12. Yeah, he'll be 12. But so the okay. reason, the reason I'm asking you is because my daughter's 14 and I'm like, uh, I just dropped her off today and I'm listening, I'm, um, like I, I she, we were talking about something. Like she has this like speech class, so she's gonna kill me. So there's this, there's a speech class that she's um, that she doesn't really want to take. Um, but we, I'm just trying to get her to kind of reframe it and think about it a little differently. And one of the things that I told her was uh, on this on this podcast called Skinny Confidential. Not for, sure if you're familiar, but they were talking about like how to work with your inner voice, right? And the reason I brought it up is because you mentioned tone earlier and like changing the tone of how you talk to yourself. And one of the things that they said was to use your use your name when you're talking to yourself because it takes you out of a, a it takes you kind of out of yourself a little bit. So you're maybe not out loud. Like I don't think you should walk through the mall talking to yourself, but. <laughs> but you know it's like use your name instead of because you would normally talk to someone much nicer than you talk to yourself so if you say your name to yourself and say like you know hey Tommy you could do this or hey whatever um, I think that that what do you think about like that does that do you talk to yourself do you say your name when you when you're doing these things yeah it, it depends if I if I'm if I'm feeling it because I'm a very emotional person I think um my entire life is emotional. I do everything I care about. I'm invested in everything. Like, like my heart is in so many places. And so I can cry on a dime because I, because I feel so deeply and care so much. Um, but when I start to feel like that, I then refer to myself in the third person. Cause yeah. I'm like, okay, you need to, you yeah, need to step away. out yeah. of this yeah. situation. But also with speech, Everybody hates speech class at that age. It yeah. is horrifying yeah. to stand up when your peers are everything to you. It's absolutely horrifying to stand up in front of them and deliver a speech that you don't even really care about. You were just forced right. to yeah, yeah. forced to find a subject and learn about it and, and give a how-to speech or whatever. Everybody hates it. And I think when when you look so many years down the line, like I told um, my my daughter, like, Look 20 years down the line. When you're 30-something years old, looking at your fear in speech class, when you're standing, when you're standing there captivating a, a table um, at, at like a board meeting or something, you're going to know that this helped you. Yeah. But the, your fear now is 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 not going to matter. Yeah, like just yeah. trying to like like take them out of it in a different way, right? It's yeah. still taking taking their emotion out of it, which I think is a really good tactic when when you're, I mean, just the thought of standing up in front of your class is going to make your heart beat out of your chest. And, and another thing that came up too um, was with, you know, in that, in that same like vein of 
of uh, you know the speech class or is public it's called public speaking um but so she it was in your book you talked about how confidence doesn't necessarily you know bleed from one part of your life to the other if you don't like let it and be aware enough to like let, let that happen because of you of all people had so so much success growing up in this sport and you know the confidence that that was there wasn't necessarily when you took those ra- racing shoes off then you were like almost treating yourself a little differently with like you know kind of hung your head as, at times you know um and i was talking to her about like hey remember that one time you were terrified to do this one thing and you didn't want to do it you didn't want to be on the bowling team or whatever and you you conquered that because we made you but you did it right <laughs> and you're having a good time now now you have friends because you know these new friends because of it and you like bowling you like this you like that and i think that i was when i was telling her this i'm like oh my gosh that's what it says and you know that's dina did the same thing you know in her running career so um i just want to say thanks for that because it, it helped me run go through this conversation yeah and and really if we're not taking the lessons we learn in our running shoes because those are deep lessons right it's why we value getting in those shoes and getting out the door each day because it feels so good we work out those problems we get fresh air and endorphins going through us and we solve everything that if we don't if we don't translate those lessons into life then they're kind of wasted and and i feel like i was i I understood that. And as soon as I understood it, I was able to apply all like my whole life became a big lesson. And the things I learned outside of my running shoes, I put into my running career and simultaneously, like just building to be excellent in all of it. And, and that was a really, it was a really big deal. It's actually the, uh, like the forward of forward thinking of that was writing the book at all was Mm -hmm. learning from coach V Hill who showed by example the value of everything we have whether it's time or money or knowledge or food on the table just how much that value grows when we share it with other people Mm -hmm. I was like I want to write this book so that other people can have these tools so that they can run their personal best so that they can break my American record so that they could so they can be the best parent and the best um, the best executive that they could be like these these lessons are universal and I just feel so fortunate for having a coach that gave that to me that offered those lessons every day I showed up to practice but also put the onus on me to continue learning and be my best up here because all those workouts on paper don't mean anything if I can't also buy in 100% and and make sure that I'm showing up 100% each day so finding the tactics that worked with with gratitude and joy and um, and all the other tactics um, that I was able to apply in that time uh, of my career and continue to build on today. It's just, um, it's just again, it's just a game and a privilege to be at it, to continue to, to, um, to run and to mom and to be the president of the track club and put on events here in town and travel the world again. Like These are all such great things, but never shut yourself off from continuing to learn. So having these conversations and learning or reinforcing um, those tactics is so important, which is why conversations and communications are, are so important in our lives. And so yeah, you, you mentioned Coach Joe Vio a couple times. Um, if you could just, uh, as I, I thought like in in the book, I was kind of. I mean, I knew that you were coached by him, but then like in the book, it, it I thought maybe he was gonna kind of come in and out and maybe not necessarily focus. But he played a really big part of you know who you, how you ran, who you are as a person, um, and like you said, all these lessons that you learned. Could you just spend some time like talking about? 
his effect on who you were at the time and then how that's kind of played out into like how you you know ran in London 2006 and like what things did you hold on to that specific that he literally had you kind of go through and rehearse over and over and over yeah, I mean, Coach is such a gem, and I just feel so fortunate that he went out on a limb and even took me on as as his only female athlete. Um, but also, he he taught me very first and foremost to live an athlete's lifestyle. That you know, I, I used to think that I just worked out hard and then I can do anything else I wanted in the in the day. But understanding sleep and nutrition and and conserving my energy and. Um, and one of his big things in living an athlete's lifestyle wasn't just the triad of, of, of training and sleep and, um, and nutrition, but it was also relationships, making sure your relationships are sound and that if you have good relationships in your life, then your conscience is going to be clean and don't have any debt. And so I never lived outside of my means. I've never been in debt. I've never had a credit card payment. And it's like these things, like these are big life lessons yeah. to learn. And and the fact that he was the one to teach me them after college, like I learned a lot in that year after college was just a was just a blessing. So an athlete's lifestyle was a really big thing he preached. I also remember anytime uh, someone came to practice and said they were tired, me included, he would say, you don't have a patent on that word. Like find another word that's going to, that's going to, that's going to fuel you today. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that's when strategic joy came into play because I realized if I came to practice focused on being excited and, and thrilled at the opportunity to expand my fitness that day, knowing it was going to hurt, um, instead of being focused on my fatigue or, or irritated from a phone call, practice went so well. And so realizing that when you keep adding joy to your day, um, it's, it, it really does have a profound effect on your physiology. And I think that was a big lesson I learned quickly is that, our thoughts don't just sit in our head or come out our mouth. Um, they really have a physiological effect on our body. They yeah. produce our thoughts produce endorphins, which become our actions. And so, making sure that those that those thoughts were um, were a precursor to what I what I wanted out of any given moment was a real power trip at that time. Right? It was yeah, like yeah. I have the power to do this. This is amazing. And I'll say this many years later. I've been a professional athlete, I think, for 27 years now. This past December, the pandemic was horrible, but this past December, um, our whole family here was was fully vaccinated and boosted, and so we got negative COVID tests immediately. Immediately following negative COVID tests, we went down to, to Arizona to visit Coach Hill, who's 90, just turned 93 wow. um, in November. So got to visit with him and his wife, Carolyn, who was a great mentor for me as well, um, more on the female side of things, mm-hmm. um, just a good girlfriend over the years to, to lean on when I was in an all-male training group. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we went down to, to Tucson to visit them, and it was such a, just such a, the greatest holiday ever to be able to reconnect. But because we were down there after we visited with with Coach and Carolyn, we also connected with Abdi and his and his girlfriend Diane and my teammate Nico. We had dinner at our Airbnb together that night and sat around the fire pit. And so it's like those like I can forget my times. Thank goodness I kept journals and logs because I need to like look at them in order to know like what my times were in high school or college or even professionally. But those relationships are really what it's about. And so 
I think again, it just comes down to to running being social. But you know, I could I could recite so many stories over the years of just connecting with people and how how beautiful those friendships are. Yeah. But the the running was just as really like a side trick to it all. Just um, just really good people in this sport. So it's a privilege in that sense to be a part of it. No, I yeah the you. It, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I swear, I'm. This whole time, I'm thinking about my workout later, because like, I mean, just like I, I'm, just to think about, you know, because I want to be out there. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speaking for myself, but I'm, uh, and a bunch of people listening to this are gonna be, you know, runners as well. So I mean, we want to, or I want to do well, and I want to get faster. I want to PR. I want to do all this stuff, but it's like, it's so easy, like you said, to, to really want it's so bad that you're that you're just you kind of spin yourself into like a very precarious position because it's like if this doesn't go well like if i don't hit my splits today you I mean you hear so many like my friends and everybody else it's like you don't hit your splits one day then you're like i don't know you know like you you, you got 15 more 14 more weeks until the race but we're, we're kind of always concerned so much about like one moment one day and I just like how you, even in your some of your bad workouts because you've, you've had some you know you you reposition it to the point where like hey this still helped me this is still a part of me getting better and even to the point where you had um like hamstring pain or leg stuff right you just said hey this is that means i'm getting stronger in the areas that i need to you know and i think that that's incredible and just the little tweaks of just same issue right but just a different way to look at it that will actually propel you forward like how is this serving me yeah and you know that's it's interesting i haven't thought of it in in this sense before but i think what you're saying makes me think of like you have to innately believe that you're capable of these goals even if they're far-fetched like mm -hmm. that that is somewhere in my DNA to be able to do that. Yeah. Like, like if I if I could dream this up, I, I could certainly accomplish it. And then treating yourself like you like you like you are capable. Like that I am I am capable. I just have to get in this workout, and I am capable, and I, I am going to reach my goal. These are just the steps I have to do to get it. So it kind of takes the pressure off of the moment, yeah. in my mind at least. Um, it takes the pressure off of the moment when when you know you're capable of it you just have to get through that process yeah but so, seeing yourself do it like that's that's seeing and believing it's 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 in grasp and then just going through the motions really well i mean it's like i guess we, if we could extend that a little bit too i mean it may seem a little repetitive but you know like a lot of us are you know it's january something or 25th or something like that 26 and we are you know, most a lot of us are training for half marathons and 5Ks and marathons and all that stuff coming up in the spring. And could you just speak to like some advice for kind of in that line of like how how we're going to get through this next 13, 12, 13, 14, 15 weeks of, of training and bad weather, good weather, all that stuff. And um, maybe some 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 tips we can take away so we can make it through. Yeah, you know there are so um, there there are so many tactics here. I mean, I live I live in the mountains. We can get sixty feet of snow in a winter. Um, it is like our our last storm dumped ten feet on us um, right over Christmas and New Year's. In fact, it took me two days to get home um, from that trip to visit Coach Field and my brother in law, who I just saw uh, came on. Hi, Aaron. Um, so uh, there's. There's so many, so many tricks to, to winter running and in order to embrace it, because it is, it is 
part of part of our life, yeah, right? We have yeah. to go through the seasons, whether it's really hot, sweltering summer or or cold, icy winters. And to me, I just feel so gnarly when I get out there. I had my team over for dinner last night, and and Grace had to run early. Everybody else was going down to Bishop in the sunny, warm weather. It's a half-hour drive away, and they're running in their T-shirt and shorts yeah. right now as we speak. But Grace, because she had to go teach, needed to run early. And I'm like, I'll run with you. And this morning when I woke up and it was 13 degrees and the <laughs> sun wasn't up yet, I was like, oh, my God, why did I say yeah, I would why? do this? Why? But I put on tights, and I put on another layer of pants over it, and I put on my thickest, um, my thickest waterproof like makes you sweat inside jacket and even these guys this isn't even my sponsor they're like my daughter's ski gloves oh, that, I wore, that I wore when I was running this morning they're like these big mitts and I was out there with my beanie cap on and even my clava pulled up oh. around my face and I was warm out there so I mean there's there's you know we have a wardrobe to mm -hmm. to to be able to get out there and do that I remember years ago it was storming and it was like day three of this storm here in mammoth and i was like starting to get a little antsy like i i need to get out i put on my husband's ski goggles and i ran straight up the chairlift like i was just like i wasn't gonna let it get to me and so and when i did that i ended up loving the winter i loved like i loved just being out there and doing it it just made me feel like i'm the only one in this town out here running straight uphill against this storm and it just it was intoxicating to me and it just put me on a high for a couple of days and so getting out there and putting it in is like you know you've got your goals out there um, and it does help get you to your goals but that moment itself can feed yeah, you yeah, so yeah. much regardless of, of what your goals are it's like just getting out there and and embracing it is so fun obviously ice is a different story maybe take a drive somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I found yak tracks Asics used to make a gel Arctic with these little studs on the bottom. I've run in those before, um, but putting yak tracks on your shoes. Um, and then even, you know, I just watched the the final, or the, the last, not the final episode, the last episode of 1883. It's like the mm. prequel to Yellowstone. I got really oh, into okay. Yellowstone. Okay. Yeah. During the pandemic, we binge watched it. Um, and so I just got caught up with 1883 because I ran on the treadmill the other day and I, I dread the treadmill, yeah, but that was my way of like, Hey, I'm going to get in this really good show while I'm doing this. It's also a good time to get a podcast that fuels mm -hmm. you. So yeah. just, just having a tactic, a tactic that really works. But yes, I've run in ski goggles before and you just get do. out there and have fun with it. So you got to do what you got to do, right? Um, yeah. And one of the things I think your coach would say something to you that was kind of like in the in the thought of you know, stay in the, stay in the present instead of like having. I'm not sure exactly what he said, but it was basically saying stay in the present. Even keep your goal way out there, but you, there's no point in thinking about that now. Like something you know, it was a proverb that um, there's no point in being hungry now because there's no food. You know, um, so is that like something that we should all we should also be thinking about in this training block because you got you know how many ever days left so you read that story about the two cowboys and the native american yeah. on the range yeah. oh my god isn't that crazy and yeah. just That's these it. are the stories that coach Vigil would would tell all the time he'd just be like sitting there with a cup of bad coffee in your hand and he'd just be just pulling these stories out um but yeah i think being present is really important um unfortunately it's it's 
it's been against me in the era of social media. Mm -hmm. I'm terrible at social media, but it's because when I am doing something, I never think like, oh, let's take a picture yeah, so I can yeah. post this on my on my Instagram or my Twitter feed. Like, I'm in the moment. Sometimes I, I like rarely know where my phone is. It's a joke. When people want to get in touch with me, they call my husband instead. Like, because I'm in, I am in the moment. I've been, condi I've conditioned myself to do that, to yeah. be very present when, um, and then the sport taught me that also. When I crossed the finish line at the Olympic trials in 2016, wanting to make my fourth Olympic team. I had a six month old daughter waiting for me at the, at the finish line and I got sixth place. And I felt like I had failed as a mom and as an athlete because I didn't feel like I was there hundred percent for her. And I didn't feel like I was hundred percent there pursuing my career. So I felt really lost and I was just treading water and I didn't know what to do with myself and understanding that you could be, a hundred percent present with whatever hat you're wearing in the moment. You could change it a million times a day, but when I'm cooking dinner, I mm. am making sure I am pouring my heart and soul and love and intention of nurturing and fueling everybody at the table while I'm cooking. And then when I'm running, I am a hundred percent there getting the best out of myself, whether it's the best recovery day or the best uh, really slow recovery day or really intense workout. And I am 100% there when my daughter is there. Phone is off. I'm listening to her talk about her day uh, skiing on the hill or talking about school. And I think I think you could you could be that. At least that's what I've told myself over the years. You could be 100% invested with whatever you're doing in that given moment. And it's really helped me compartmentalize a very busy schedule. Yeah, I think that I think that's awesome because I mean, I'm not saying that balance isn't a thing, you know, at all. But it's just like. It's tough for, you know, if when I'm just looking at it from a running standpoint, because it's easy to kind of compare it to like if you're uh, training for Boston or something like that, you you get really carried away with like, I mean, it's it's a busy schedule. It's six, seven days a week and you got, you know, a couple hours at a time and all those other things. And you got to plan that around your you know work and stuff. And it just um, the thought of balance and like having this like perfect balance just it gets really intimidating. It gets frustrating because you want to be this perfectly balanced individual. But I like the concept of just saying like, you know, obviously do your best to to make sure people are feel loved and appreciated. But then in each moment, though, be fully present in that moment. You know, like I have a really bad habit. Hopefully um, no one else is listening that I know. But I have a really bad habit of like always talking about running. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, hey, can I tell you this story about this thing? You know, like. Oh, this one time we were running, and it, it's like it's ridiculous, and I know it is. And as soon as I'm, I start saying it, it's too late. It's already I've already ta started talking about the long run, you know. Oh, we turned left, and then this guy, you know, it gets really bad. So I'm trying my best. So I'm I'm trying to take your tips, and I'm I've taken notes to be a better like person because that'll make me a better runner too. Yeah. But that's also good that running has given you so many valuable moments that you want to share it with others. And we were joking even last night at the dinner table um, that as we were passing food around was like, isn't it weird when we're running, we never talk about running, but when we're sitting here having dinner, we're talking about running. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's so, it's like, a I don't know why that's so bizarre, but there's got to be some, if there's a psychologist out there, maybe you can explain it to 
us. Um, Just something weird, like maybe when you're running, you're practicing what you have in common, so you find these other common grounds, and then when you're sitting at the table, you're talking about your other common ground, which is running. I don't know. But it is very strange, and I've seen it happen time and time again over the years. So the the only downside, when you do talk about running while running, is you typically run faster than you're supposed to be running while talking about running. Because if you ever talk about a race, like something that happened on a, on an easy run, guarantee you're going to be going faster than you're supposed to be when you look down. It's like almost, yes. it's natural. you got to do it. I will never talk about running while running with my teammates Karina or Grace because I will be left in the dust <laughs> out of the conversation within seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, wait a minute, what happened? What did, what did I start? I, now, I'm le- now they left me, and now afterwards we're going to talk about how they left me, you know? Um, yes. but I just, I love the fact that like the, the belief system part too, because, um, you, you know, like we're gonna, we all have ish, we all have goals that we're trying to reach right now. And whether it's, you know, work or person, work, personal family, r- running, whatever it is, companies and things like that, we want to start. How do you, how does someone deal with, you know, defeat or, 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 you know, failure in that sense. Like, how do you take that and say, you know, keep going? Because it's, you had, you were winning like crazy when you were younger, and obviously you didn't win every race from that from that point on. It's not like you just always won, but you still kept pushing and you took those moments and turned them into something amazing. So, like, how do you take that and cycle it through? Yeah, I think whether it's fatigue or failure and disappointment, that those are our greatest moments to 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 gain a, a real a real big life lesson, right? Um, when we are at the crux of a workout and we are suffering, we don't think we've got another mile repeat in in us or another mile in us, um, even at the end of the race, thinking that way. Um, that's really your chance to thrive, right? Because that's just a governor. It's yeah. just, it, that negativity is just a governor of protection. And to to keep pushing past that, to, to rise above that fatigue, because what you want is is just beyond it, um, I think has, is such a powerful lesson. And to understand when you're disappointed from, from a defeat that that disappointment is because you're invested and care an awful lot about what you're doing. So let's learn from it right. so that you can so you can obtain it the next time. And um, and I think when things are going well, you've got a good streak of PRs going. You're just kind of like going through those motions because if it's not broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Right? The saying goes. But when it is broken, you've got to fix something. Yeah. And that's how that's how you keep climbing. And otherwise, your life is just going to be one one uh, lazy plateau. You want those those peaks and valleys because those peaks get higher and higher each time. And so again, it's just talking yourself through it and it, it all happens up here, but yeah. um, for such a small space, uh, <laughs> it, it has major consequences. Yeah, yeah, and sure. so really, um, really sitting with it and not being dismissive. Don't say like, everything's fine. Like yeah. it's not You're this is a crisis moment. So, so realize it and, and make some changes in your, in your life or in your thinking so that you could, so that next peak can be a little bit higher. And uh, again, um, it's not ridiculing yourself in the process. Like, right. We talked about that at the very beginning of the show. It's like having that kind tone and being like, yeah, you care an awful lot. That's why these tears are streaming down your cheeks and you want to throw a, throw a fist through the wall. You care a lot about what you're doing. It feels like a waste that you just 
spent so much time and energy in this Mm -hmm. past training cycle to have this to show for it. But get back on that course. Your body doesn't forget your body. Your body is still in that, in that, in that fitness state. So don't waste it on negative thinking, rise up above it and make sure you're utilizing that fitness into your next training cycle after a rest. Of course, you always have to, uh, always have to have that rest phase. And I love the, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that you're like, hey, acknowledge this this crisis. I mean, because a lot of times when when you when you think and hear about like positive thinking and that vibe, it's like it almost sounds like people are saying like, hey, just you know, no matter what, just think positive and just keep going. Or you know, just forget that. But I, I like that you're like, hey, you know, acknowledge the fact that you're upset. Acknowledge what happened because that'll allow you to kind of live with that for a moment, reframe it to work for you. And move forward with like that learning process, that experience. I mean, I think sometimes we're so quick to go, you know, out positive something that we don't actually, you know, maybe connect with maybe what the reasoning is behind it or what we can learn from it. Yeah, for forcing it and saying, oh, it's so sunny, even though it's cloudy out and saying that everything's great, even though you just got your butt kicked in an important race and you got in a fight with your mom and the dog is sick and saying everything in your life is fantastic. That's being completely dismissive of of reality. So that is not positivity or optimism at all. Optimism is actually sitting in discomfort and and coming to terms with it and, and, and really defining those hard emotions on your own terms so that... You know, I, I, I host a, an hour of optimism uh, on virtual events over Airbnb. And one of the things that we practice in one of the exercises, I've given like 400 Zooms uh, since the pandemic started, 500. Um, and one of the things we talk about is like sitting in that discomfort and really it might not be the definition, the emotion that you're feeling. It might not be the definition that fits the page of a dictionary, but it's going to fit your life actually if you sit there and yeah. really, really dwell on it and, yeah. and think it through and, and find something. You know, disappointment doesn't have to mean you failed um, and that you're a failure, but it can mean that you're just invested in care about yeah. what you're doing and the outcome of what you're of what you're working so hard for and that grief, although it's gut-wrenching and hard it doesn't have to really identify with loss it could it's rooted in love because we only grieve intensely when we love intensely and um and so just like playing with those words and 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 really again it's spending a lot of time in your head and making sure that by the time you get to the to the end of it you're in a you're on the high road and and um and moving forward with excitement and um and have a focus that you're that you're looking toward no, I I think I've you've actually helped me though because you know um, not that I'm I don't think I'm negative or anything like that but you you've helped me kind of hear maybe more of like because I've always kind of pushed back a little bit against like the like the normal positive thinking mindset where it's it does seem like really dismissive of like the actual moment or the thing that happened it always sounds more like just keep on pushing you know um, but I I like the way that you've gone about it and it it seems much more like aware and mindful and in the moment than some of the other things that I've heard that people you know just have like this um, mentality where it's just like I can do this and maybe not even doing what they should be doing to get to the thing that they say that they're going to do because they're not in the moment and they don't realize or sometimes can realize what they can fix and so I really appreciate your your mindset on that. Yeah and you know we, I mean we are all our best critics right? I mean we can sit here and criticize and criticize and criticize our approach and our tactics and our workouts and 
whatever, whatever else comes to mind. If we could start becoming our greatest advocates and our best cheerleaders, that's when we're really going to start. Mm-hmm. Um, not just not just being better, but making it easier on yeah. us, right? Like it's so much easier to just advocate for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So I just I, had a very um, one of my friends I just saw pop on. Um, who uh, ran Badwater, my friend Shannon ran Badwater, and I crewed her in Badwater. Does everybody know what Badwater is? It's like that yeah, crazy race tough. from Badwater, the lowest point in the continental United States, to Mount Whitney, the highest point in the United States. In the middle of summer through Death Valley, it is a death march, and uh, and Shannon has earned 10 belts doing it. 10, ten belt buckles. They do it for a belt buckle, y'all. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. When like you run a hundred miler, and like I want when that when I found out about belt belt buckles, they are nice belt buckles. It's not like they're just like you know they're not made of wood or whatever. But like I would want like I want the biggest trophy possible. Like I want it to almost be bigger than me. I need I want to find out how to get it home. Like I don't I want to have an issue. You know, I want to pay for this to get to my house. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, maybe just like ha- like pay to have someone like crossing that finish line gives you um, a handler that has a neon sign that says that you did it and they just walk around with you all day. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that I would like that. You know, I would like that. I mean, I would appreciate the belt buckle. I'm not going to say I'm not appreciative, but I would I would much rather someone with a neon sign walking around saying how amazing I am for running that race. <laughs> so if do you have some time for some questions? Yeah, Sweet. absolutely. All right, so... We had some we had some questions beforehand. We had some as well uh, during the uh, during the show. Uh, but so beforehand, Balu Batista Batisti says, uh, "What's what's the most important trait a runner should have?" Uh, I think the most important trait is belief. Belief in belief in your capabilities. Belief in your commitments. Uh, belief in uh, in in your body and your mind and for me that's where it all starts as soon as you as soon as you believe you can do something it's certainly achievable i like that i like that i figured you were going to say that um (laughs) amy amy stephens nutrition says which race was your favorite and why oh man shannon i'm not going to say bad water it was too hard even though i only ran a fraction of it my favorite race Oh, you know, on any given day, I feel like my answer would be different because my mood is different. Um, Favorite race. Oh, my gosh. Maybe the one I haven't run yet because that keeps me going, right? Like, I really want to run the Marathon de Medoc in the south of France. And instead of Gatorade or Powerade or Morton, that whatever that drink, that newer drink is, you get wine. They serve wine at the aid station. So I kind of want to do that one. And you dress in costume. Um, I I also want to go to Iceland. So I'll run the half marathon in Iceland someday. So I think the ones, it's like, it's like those carrots out in front of you. That's the favorite because that's what keeps your heart ticking and your excitement up. All right, cool, cool. That that's a good one. I I, I could definitely see you running a race with like wine at the aid station. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we'll just let me just throw a couple in here really quick. Um, let me see. There's a good one here uh, that was already asked. Oh, a favorite Paso wine. Yeah. Uh oh. Steve is asking that. Hi. Steve. Yeah, go ahead. And my favorite post-meal race. Can I answer those? Yes, you can, for sure. Um, so my favorite Paso wine dinner um, is a is a great winery, and we know the winemaker there. He's probably the best winemaker in all of California. 
um, Anthony yawned, and I got to barrel taste where he had he had wine the same grapes fermenting in a stainless steel barrel and oak barrels, wow. and we got to sample. They tasted like two totally different wines, but it was the same grape in, in different being fermented in two different barrels. So I just think he's brilliant and amazing. And my favorite um, pre-race meal is probably going to be. I always like like a combination of carbs and protein. Mm-hmm. So I'd love like like a, um, a wood fire pizza, like a thin crust with maybe some prosciutto and broccoli rob or uh, or arugula on top yeah. um, and a glass of wine and then post race um, it's like something really salty it could be a it could be a burger but I think pizza would work post race <laughs> also um, and instead of a glass of wine it'd probably be a bottle I mean maybe I'd share a little if someone else was sitting at the Say table with me but I'd prefer it'd be my favorite person to share that meal with would be someone that doesn't like their crust because I like it, okay. and someone that doesn't like wine, so I could drink the bottle. Maybe they're more of a beer person or a martini person, so I can have the rest of the bottle. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. Um, and uh, Denver Mandy J says, um, will you be at the Boston Marathon this year broadcasting or be being part of the weekend in any way? I am going to be um, at the Boston Marathon first. First up is the LA Marathon. I'm going to do broadcasting in at the LA Marathon this year. So that's the first race I'm going. I'm going to the Running USA convention next month. Nice. And it's actually my daughter's birthday weekend. I was taking um, her and some friends to Las Vegas to see Justin Bieber. We got a box, a box to watch Justin Bieber so we could do it safely. Yeah. And then I got an invitation to go to the Running USA convention. So we're driving to Las Vegas where I'm flying out and my oh husband my and girlfriend are taking the kids to, oh to a gosh. Justin Bieber concert. So Justin Bieber, if you're listening to this uh, <laughs> Instagram live, I'm so sorry I'm going to miss you. <laughs> oh my gosh. If Justin Bieber's name popped up on the bottom of this thing, I don't even know what I would do. I mean, I'm not like, like the biggest fan in the world, but like the fact that if he, if he's on here, I would probably not know what to do. Because man, I made it. I made it. We're we're probably forced to be fans because our children are. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well. No. Apparently, I'm. A, I'm. I don't know who am I forced to be a fan of. Oh, I'm forced to be a fan of Tyler, the creator, because my daughter like l- really likes him. So, I guess yeah. we like. I guess we like him as a family now. We're good. Um, and every TikTok dance, I, my daughter's oh. trying to get me to do every TikTok dance she's doing, and I've done a couple, but it's really embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets pretty wild. Like I'm. I'm not going there. Um, I just tell my daughter, just do your art on TikTok. You know, don't just scroll. Don't just scroll. Be a part of it. You know. Um, all right. Well, I don't want to. I want to be respectful of your time and kind of bring this race to an end. And I really do appreciate um, you know, the, the questions and the in the, the knowledge and the impact that you're, you've had on me, um, just in this short period of time. And then also the people that you know that that are listening now and read your book and things like that. Number one, really quick before I drop my mouse again. Um, if you're watching this, go get this book. The go get this book. It's amazing. There's so many gems in it from from um, from you, from your coach, and all the different people in your lives that have been have affected you. Uh, and then also, it's on Audible as well. So you know, get that too. Don't you know if you're not a reader, reader, and you want to listen, you can turn it on 1.5, and it's perfect still, and you can listen to it really quickly if you want. But and the. Tommy, the Audible version, I actually recorded it, which was conquering a fear of mine. Yeah. I hate reading you aloud. Did, you did great. And I 
I conquered a fear by doing that. So I, I had such anxiety needing to do that. But I also see in the, in the feed that there are a few. I've mm -hmm. recognized a few um, doctors, physicians. So thank you guys so much for these last couple of years. I know it's been hard. Yes, yes. Um, and so let's end it with uh, the giveaway. So I, you know, the, the, the good folks at ASICS um, are giving us a pair of men's shoes and a pair of women's shoes to give away uh, up to $160. So that pretty much covers all the shoes except for like the Metaspeed Skies or whatever. Um, and so I'm going to ask you to pick a number. Um, you know, open your mind uh, because it's a, l a large number. So pick a number between 1 through 60. Oh, me? Yes, you. If you it's got... my mother, I just saw my mom on here. If it's my mom, she can't win shoes. Okay, no, well, no. Okay. So, yeah, the, everyone who's on here, like, had to do, like, a tag and thing, you know, all that stuff. So, unless you're, what's your mom's name? Is she on this list? Which, which Elena, she... I don't know if she's on the list. Okay. She, she, she just retweets things, is oh, okay. what she does. Okay. She, re okay. she reposts, retweets, that's it. Okay. I love you, mom, but you're not getting shoes. Um, <laughs> one in 60. One in I'm 60. I'm going to say, uh... 19 two yes. it's, it's for like 219 you get that yeah marathon yes the new marathon american well, record, okay okay so yeah so we have one winner and he's a, a guy named geo he's actually from my area i just ran with him two weeks ago uh geo woodman you have won a pair of uh asic shoes and so let's talk about that 219 really quick how did you I, I, when it when it happened i was so happy for kira because i've had her on the show a couple times uh she's a really really nice person and so fun but then at the same time, I'm like, I thought about you. I'm like, oh, and then I just knew you were somewhere smiling. Is that true? It is so true. I think um, when I broke Joan Benoit Samuelson's record mm -hmm. 18 and a half years ago, um, the record mattered every day I trained for it mm -hmm. and the day I broke it. It hasn't mattered since. Mm -hmm. So um, I've had a lot of highs in the sports, world records and American records, wins and medals. Um, now I'm getting highs as as a as a fan of the sport. Mm -hmm. Seeing, I mean, really, we're taking for granted these these. Um, these records all the time. Any weekend you tune in to a global race, they're breaking world records and national records. And so it's a really fun time to be a fan of the sport because yeah. re the record books are just being completely rewritten these last couple of years. And I, th I think it's crazy that it lasted that long. And I mean, not that not that the time was the time was epic, obviously, but I just it's just really cool that it and the person that beat it literally like seems like she thinks like you and positivity. So it was just perfect, right? Um, and then, okay, well, let's, let's try to get a, a woman's giveaway as well. So still pick a number between 1 and 60. And then we'll okay. ho hopefully we'll get I'm lucky gonna here. I'm going to say 57 for no reason whatsoever. 57. <laughs> nope, you can't do it. Pick another. Okay. Uh, 52? Yes, you can. All right, there we go. Lex Runs Life has won a pair of shoes. I will reach out to both of them after to get their sizes and all that stuff. So um, thank you so much for being a part of that. And I really do is it appreciate a specific, it. Is it a specific ASIC shoe or can I make a recommendation? Okay, well, it's up to 160. So you can recommend whatever you want after that. Yeah, so during the Olympic trials and the marathon, ASICs gave all of all of us ASICs athletes um, at an event, they gave us this new shoe they were releasing called the Nova Blast. The Nova Blast 2? Yes. Absolutely amazing. It's an insane shoe. It became a favorite of every ASICS professional runner. It is now, like, 
no matter what you were wearing, like we all wore different things, DS mm-hmm. trainers, Nimbus, very different shoes. Now yep, everybody yep. loves the Nova Blast. So that's what I would yes. just recommend. If you're new to ASICs and want to try something that's a big wow factor, um, they last forever. They are so cushiony. You could beat yourself up on the roads. I ran a marathon in them, like couch to marathon and never got sore. These shoes are amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I to- 100% agree with you. Those are the shoes I go for uh, often when I'm like... Um, when I'm just feeling you know, kind of beat up from the miles, I'll definitely take those out because they're not just like they are a cushiony shoe. They have, you know, they got a nice little stack to them, but they're not like really clunky and you could still move quickly in them. Um, so they have like the best of both worlds and they, they are just really, really great shoes. Really great shoes. Yeah. You're the first person, I've given away a lot of shoes on the show. You're the first person that was like, I want to, you know, I want to <laughs> recommend a shoe. This is great. Well, because I know if, if you're not an ASICs wearer, this is going to make you fall in love with this shoe is going to make you yeah, fall in love 100%. with the brand. Yeah. yeah. ASICs is doing some really great things, though. They've got some other shoes coming out that are really nice, too. But the Nova Blast 2 is hands down like one of the, is the best trainer that, you know, that I've run in. And a lot of people don't realize that ASICs is an acronym. The company started in Japan after World War II mm-hmm. when Mr. Onitsuka needed a morale boost in the country yep. and knew that like getting out and moving really um, gave, made people more positive. So he believed in, in exercising your body and your mind. And ASICs is actually a Latin acronym, Anima Sana Incorpore mm-hmm. Sano, or a sound mind and a sound body. So yep. it seems like... Um, it seems- yeah, hey guys, uh, sorry to cut, cut this off here. We have to jump over to the next recording. Uh, but in the meantime, please check out this um, advertisement for Anchor. Anchor is the podcast platform which I'm using that distributes this to all the platforms. So if you're thinking about getting like a podcast, uh, it's super easy. Like I do it with my phone. <laughs> um, so it's wild easy. If I could do it, you could do it. Um, I'm on episode, was the 69 right now? So. Um, if, like literally, it's like the easiest thing in the world. Check it out if you want a podcast. Listen to this advertising real quick. Love you guys. The episode will continue in a moment. That the sound mind, sound body is really great for because of you because that's literally like what you go and how you go about doing things. So like I didn't want to be like oh like oh it's a perfect brand for you, but it really is. So I'm <laughs> glad that you brought that part up and not me. <laughs> Tommy, I think our our next step is getting you out to Mammoth. What's up, guys? Tommy runs. Um, so, episode cut off. It's a little went a little too long here. Um, apologize for any misses on the end of this episode. We didn't talk about too much after that. I got invited out to Mammoth, so hopefully that happens sometime soon. Um, but most importantly, go to uh, the Run Eat Sleep show on Instagram, and you can check out the end of this. Uh, like I said, we didn't talk about too much after that, but hopefully you love the episode. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Please make sure that you follow Dina and everything that she does, and please make sure. You follow the Run, Eat, Sleep show on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. You guys are the bomb.com, as the cool kids say. Um, love you guys. Make sure you run, eat, sleep, and repeat. And whatever you took from this episode from Dina, all the positivity, please just try it in your life. It is amazing. Um, changes the way that you look at things. Changes the way that you experience life and running. So peace out. Enjoy. Enjoy.